this queer family time is in the grand scheme of like the history of the planet Earth is very small. You know, having gay dads push strollers down Park Slope like the rest of them <laughs> um, is relatively new. And so being able to uh, lean on that community as we build it but I might not be able to like stomp around in heels when the baby's sleeping. You know? I mean, felt does a lot. Put some rubber soles on yeah. it, I guess, yeah. Yeah, get a nice thick carpet. <laughs> yes. It'll be fine. Yeah. Welcome to Don't Think Twice. Vijay and Stevens is the writing and producing duo of Amrita Vijay and Andrew Stevens. Best friends, business partners, creative partners, and now soon to be co-parents. We're currently taking a small diversion in our own story to discuss the specific and gendered aspects of our individual experiences. Last week, we got into feminism and a woman's choice to remain child-free. This time, Andrew is joined by special guest J.R. Andre for a discussion of gay fatherhood, queer family building, and how their experiences have been similar, but also very different. We are going. We are heading into episode eight. And this week, I'm flying solo. It is me and my good friend, JR. We're here to talk about the issues of fatherhood, particularly gay fatherhood. And when Amrita and I were thinking about people to bring on the show, we automatically thought about JR. Welcome to the show, JR. So happy to be here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. JR is... uh, 38 years old, married to a wonderful man, Christian, uh, works at a private school here in the city, and I think will be a nice counterbalance and a way for us to get into the conversation about being a dad, about being a gay dad, but coming from a different perspective, because your relationship um, is more typical in its setup. Uh, You're married to Christian, you live together in your household, and you are moving towards having children yes indeed now i was sure before we started recording not to ask you where you are in that journey so we will catch up on that cool but before we get there i want to know from you because i I really don't know this Mm -hmm. uh did you always know you wanted to be a parent yes yeah i think it was like conversations that we had on date number two that early so you were dating proactively for people, looking proactively for people in your dating life who also wanted to have children. Yeah. How long have you two been together? We uh, we met in 2017 in the summer. Um, so it's almost six years. Yeah. Date two, you dive deep into whether or not you want to have children. And then magic happens and then a marriage happens. And now, fast forward six years later, we're in this situation where you are, you have started the process. So can you talk me through a little bit the yeah. process? When we got serious enough to know that we were uh, sticking around each other for a while, you know, we were thinking about as inherently a non-traditional family, we have many options, adoption, fostering, surrogacy, all the things. And we were pretty aligned on wanting to do the surrogacy route. 
And with that comes a thousand more questions of like who and what and why. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's an yeah. interesting, not to, not to interrupt mm-hmm. too much, but it's interesting that you're both aligned on the surrogacy because as two men, there's still a lot of decisions to make about who's and what's. I wish, I mean, I kind of wish that it were like a hundred years in the future and they can like take two right. sperm cells and like <laughs> stimulate one to be an egg and then it would be fine and easy. Um, but yeah, no, there are a lot of decisions to be made. So we kind of started talking about that a little bit, but it was really um, this conference that we went to that got us kind of zeroed in on specifics that we had to consider. Christian had come across this conference called the Men Having Babies Conference. Okay. They happened to be um, putting on their conference in New York City, um, midtown in like a hotel in Times Square. So I think by that point, you know, we had talked about most of the general things that we were looking for, we were interested in pursuing. So the conference is designed specifically for gay men Mm -hmm. and um, looking to become fathers and specifically for people interested in surrogacy. So the conference is, is kind of two parts, or it's, it was actually over the course of two days, and they run through all of the headlines of the process. So there's the science, there's the financials, there's the um, legal, there's the insurance, there's the ethics, the conference was designed to very thoroughly give you a sense of the process and very honestly give you a sense of the process, how expensive it is, how long it is, how many people are involved. And, mm. and even like one of the workshops was like, if you're going to ask your best friend to be your surrogate, like here's all of the pitfalls, <laughs> like here's all the things right. you should consider and why it will be hard. Um but they were never like, so you must go through an agency or something. They just were very, just really just giving information. information. There are parts of it that are like a mini convention. Um, like there is a room you walk into and there's all the different vendors selling their wares. Selling what? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, insurance companies and legal uh, agencies and the fertility clinics and the surrogacy agencies. Um that wow. that wow. are just vying for your attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just tables with tablecloths and representatives. Lot of swag. All of that's to say is there mm-hmm. was a convention room where you could you could you could buy your insurance. You could connect yourself <laughs> with the fertility clinic. Yeah. You could ask lots of questions. Last, ask lots of questions. Yeah. And so you said this conference was focused for gay men wanting to have children via surrogacy. Mm -hmm. And how big would you say that conference was in New York? It wasn't huge. Okay. Um, Maybe, I don't know, maybe like 150 people had signed up. By your, you know, visual, just observation, Mm -hmm. who were the people who were there? So they were people around my age. Mm -hmm. Um, They were people who were predominantly partnered. And they were folks, I would say that, you know, I actually ran into two people that I knew there. Um, one of them was there with his partner, very much just exploring the options. Another one was like, we're doing this, and was very much committed to starting as soon as possible. Um, Christian and I were kind of in between. We had done a bit of research. We had known a little bit of the landscape. We were now sort of, this was like 
gonna get us in. Mm. Um, gonna get us the contacts to the agencies and the organizations and the people that we needed to connect with to start the process. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of a wide range of people on their journey. In thinking about the conference, I want to ask you about the idea of access to all of this because we've pretty we've outlined how expensive the process is. And so when you were there, did you have a sense that of that? Very much so. Um, I mean, it was a sea of like obviously like New York men that can afford this process. Mm -hmm. Um, And we kind of commented on that, like, wow, it's very much perpetuating this cycle of like rich, you know, predominantly white families producing very resourced, like um, well-kept children. (laughs) um, (laughs) And then obviously the more money, the more high end the experience can be, right? Like that we in in that room with the vendors in the corner, in one of the corners, there was there were these two men in sharp suits who owned a fertility clinic in West Hollywood. The amount of filler in their faces. <laughs> was insane and the people those are embryos they were just <laughs> just all the leftovers yeah. all the, <laughs> it's called stem cells yeah. darling um it was it was insane um but you know also when you looked at the people lining up to talk to them it was like the people seeking a west hollywood boutique fertility clinic like agency mm-hmm. or whatever of the people who can do this, there was, you know, even mm-hmm. a spectrum within that. Wow. But, but yeah. to your point, even inside this room, inside this space where people mm. can afford it, there are, you know, you can you can be on the express line. Right. You can do the TSA pre-check. Yes. And skip the security line. Yes. And you're stuck back there waiting. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, do yeah. it one at a time. Yeah. And you're fortunate enough to be able to do that. But yes. It's an interesting thought because in my head, you know, it it's a fortunate thing that we have the the medical technology and the ability uh-huh. to even do this process. Mm-hmm. And it is an unfortunate thing that access is a problem for right. some people. And what is their to do about it i don't know i don't know if there is you know an answer there is i mean the thing is because it's all outside of us right because we're not the egg donors because we're not the surrogates like a lot of this is external it's outside of us and so health insurance is not going to cover it right or like health and like if if health insurance could so your health insurance doesn't have anything to do with anything i I don't actually know i Mm -hmm. don't know christian does a lot of the paperwork Mm -hmm. um so okay (laughs) i see the dynamic (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like there's apparently like, I don't know, five different lawyers you need. There's a lot of different people that are involved right. in many different stages. And legal paperwork for me to make sure that a you're... A lot of lawyers' eyes, a lot of legal eyes on it because right. there's a lot of contracts. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to relate that to my own mm. experience because Amrita and I came at it from such a different direction. Mm-hmm. 
and that you saw a lot of partnered gay men in the room um, at this conference. It's clearly geared for them. I mean, if you're having presentations about the pitfalls of a donor egg, a person that you know, all of that. Um, but our experience through the fertility clinic and um, was it <laughs> was much different. It was very much about Amrita wanting to have a child, and I was a I was a known donor. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if I would have gone to the conference, if there would have been something that I could have drawn from it, being a person who's not in a in a relationship with another man. One of the things that came out of that conference was there was a lot of like pep talking kind of for really? prospective families because we're navigating um we would navigate building a family that's queer in a straight world mm-hmm. and they're like here are the all the questions you will get and here's how you can approach them and answer them anticipating a lot of the invasive questions that we would get and they were doing a lot i mean there was a lot about sort of the well-being of of us as a couple mm. and a family a future family um they did a good job talking about like the sort of ethical landscape of these processes um talk more about that what do you mean new york was is one of the last states to allow surrogacy um because something you know not ideal happened a couple of years or decades ago until 2021 and they spoke about new york having the most comprehensive surrogate uh surrogates bill of rights Mm. um which was what was required to like make it legal again right um the people in the room the people who were leading these agencies or who were talking to us were the people who had you know built that and and made it so that it could be the safest possible and that other states are kind of looking to New York to mirror their process. But then also just thinking about how, you know, how do you reconcile the businessy aspect of this, the sort of means to an end with the people that are in the, in the process along with you? Um, you know, how does, how does payment work in a way that fairly compensates the work that a person would be doing to carry this child or to donate an egg. Um, so there was a lot of, of the humanizing the process and, and honestly just thinking about like, yes, there is risk involved and, and yes, we consider this, you know, if we have a surrogate in Texas and something goes wrong, um, God forbid, like, are we getting arrested like are we you know in new york like is it there's a lot of unknowns and um i think they are just like one centimeter ahead of (laughs) things like they also don't know and the landscape is changing so quickly so there were a lot of there's a lot of conversations around that right Mm -hmm. right like i you know thinking through it when you when you use a surrogate you have a relationship with a person um not just the job they're doing, right. you know, the relationship with the person for the entire time. Have you and Christian talked about what you're looking for in a surrogate? Have you thought about what kind of relationship? I know gay men who have had children this way who have maintained a very close relationship with their surrogate, and I imagine the opposite is true also. So where do you, how do you feel about that? 
can I tell you like where we are kind That'd of so I can, okay so for a little context of what I can answer what I know um we are between we we have the embryos on ice somewhere <laughs> um so I we've gone through the process of selecting an egg donor um I think the word is harvesting the eggs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it sounds so weird. Um, <laughs> um, harvesting the eggs and then um, and fertilizing them, you know, having the final number of like developed and healthy and all the things. Um, and now we're on a wait list for the surrogate. Um, COVID really impacted that wait list. It should have been about three to four months. It is, they told us, 10 to 12 months. Mm. So it's been a long wait with a lot of radio silence. Do egg donors and surrogates also have the opportunity to ask that? Yeah, so they questions? can, yes. So um, they list on their profile. When we were going through the egg donors' profiles, I mean, they tell you everything. I, I remember with my lesbian friend going through the sperm bank, like she saw a baby picture of the guy and like not very much information. I knew everything, great-grandparents information, um, wow. genetic history, education level like of everyone in the family, pictures, interests, hobbies, all of it. Um, and in there was, you know, what relationship are they open to? And you can screen by, by whether that. or not you want that person to be involved or flexible or just, you know, do the service and then that's it. That's the end of contact. Um, for us, we want our kid to decide. So we, we screened it by people who would be flexible or open to a relationship if it got there. When our kid turns 18, um, they can decide. Uh, but we are... So when your kid mm, becomes an adult, they can... That's when they can like on their own legally be like, hey, I'm going to seek out this person. We are going to be honest about their birthing journey uh, with them. And they're like knowing that many people were involved in bringing you into this world and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, you know, this, sorry, this egg donor has two kids of her own. So this child will have half siblings somewhere. Um, so, yeah. you know, you have been provided with a, a list of information and it sounds mm -hmm. like some of it's pretty interesting and about this egg donor and you've elected someone who is flexible to have a relationship after your child turns 18. It's interesting to me that you might know things about the egg donor um, that you could see in your own child, hmm. whether it's something as simple as that your child is takes up a hobby that happens to align with what <laughs> you know this person's hobby. You know, these, yeah. you know, could be something like that. I mean, the, there were a lot of overlaps in the hobbies. Um, she had drawn a picture of like, I don't know, Queen Amidala or something, like some Star Wars reference. And we're like, yes, nerd, like, yes, <laughs> um, us too. Um, you know, art, yay. Like there was, you know, there was a lot of overlaps there. Did you both have the same feelings about the choices? Yeah, so, you? well... You know, one of the levels of the choices that we had to make was about race. Um, Christian's white, and I'm a sort of a coffee-colored, like, <laughs> cafe au lait. Um, my, you know, Haitian background. Um, 
and we had to kind of decide what it, that 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 played into the choices we were making i didn't want to be in a situation where somebody mistook me for the nanny mm-hmm. so we were kind of looking at what would in essence look like a biracial child um, this person has haitian ancestry as well so that was pretty cool very much sounds like you and christian were on the same page yes yes and but these all took conversations many right oh, mm-hmm. and, and this is not even getting into parenting this is just no. making the damn thing right so i'll ask this question and mm-hmm. you can choose to answer it or not mm-hmm. the embryo that is made uh the material comes from you or Christian? So we have two sets. There were a couple of conversations about what to do from there, what, which ones to implant and all that. Um, there were feelings. There were feelings. And, and you know, I think, again, the conference kind of helped in thinking about, well, how do they measure the success of an embryo? So we're just going to do, like, pick the best one. Mm-hmm. We the don't hospital or the, the, the clinic. Yeah, was the gonna clinic is going to like choose the best one, and for the second one, do the other, <laughs> the best one from the other set. Now, right now, we're in the middle of conversations around: Do we want to know who's got implanted first? Will we just be able to tell? And I'm still unsure. I still kind of don't want to know. I think it might be obvious. I don't know. I actually have no idea. I don't know. But then... I will say you two don't look similar. don't look similar. We're not boyfriend twins. I will say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We don't. But, like, there's this other person, right? So, like, who knows? (laughs) The egg donor, yes. Yeah, we actually Zoomed with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if that was... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's totally optional. Okay. But we really just wanted to say thank you. So we Zoomed with them right before they um like went to the mm-hmm. clinic to harvest the eggs um okay so you the hospital has your embryos both there's two sets mm-hmm. the hospital will elect the healthiest one mm-hmm. and right now the conversation is do we or don't we know or and do we just wait till it happens and then are like obviously this is Christians. I mean, and you know, like a obviously baby changes like from when it's born to like an hour later to right, like a day right. later. It looks totally different. So, right. but I think I don't know. Christian said the day before the doctor can be like, oh, it's gonna be this. Like you know, it's we interesting. All, yeah. Like you, you know, you bring up the medical mm. um, angle, and you know, on first thought, I'm like, well, yeah, it would be nice to know for for these medical reasons that you outlined in case there's something that is in the family. But I guess if you just are biologically born to your parents and one of them has a medical condition, it doesn't mean that you have the, that medical condition. It doesn't mean that, that, so you can still say it's in the family. So for me to think so narrowly, like, well, you should know, cause then you'll be able to, to say, that doesn't mean that you, that doesn't, why is that so? You could just tell your kid, you know, I, you know, heart disease runs in the family and a doctor can check that person as they would check anyone else. (laughs) Yeah. It's just an aside, but it's interesting notion. Yeah. That my first thought is, I know you need to know Mm because, but do you? 
that's literally the conversations we're having. Like, do you? I don't know. So I have a couple more questions, and I think we've touched on a lot of them, but I'm just going to ask them anyway. You know, I want to get your perspective towards parenting in the gay community. I know mm-hmm. that the conference particularly talked about the process, and we have spent the time so far talking about the process of actually creating a child. Mm-hmm. But did the conference then move on to actually the the parenting of a kid? You've you've not really, not really. Um, they kind of got us up to the surrogate and the birth. And have you had conversations about questions about once the baby's in your arms? Or is it so much energy you have to expend just to actually get a baby? <laughs> a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, I think there's like when we actually get the surrogate and it's implanted and it's successful, like we'll have nine months to talk about all those things. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, I think we, we are very close to our families. And we have talked a lot about our upbringing. So we've had conversations, but we haven't, the way that we sat down with the list of questions that we got from the slideshow, like we haven't done that yet in terms of parenting style. It's interesting the conversations you've had to make the children and the conversations that have yet to be had about the the child, the rearing, knowing that you and Christian know each other well, you're married, you've had conversations, but that at the same time, these have been conversations that Amrita and I have had explicitly because we aren't in a heteronormative setup. And we haven't had the conversations. We've had only functional conversations about how to have the child, but we haven't had some of the conversations that you've had in just making the child. Mm-hmm. In looking towards the, the eventuality of your beautiful children, mm. You have a large network of friends, a large network of gay friends. Mm-hmm. And are there other people in your friend group who are on the, a similar journey? And of those people who aren't, what are their attitudes? So I don't have, the people that I know who have kids are older. Of my friends who are my age or younger, I can't really think of any that are where we are. Mm-hmm. So, no, we're kind of outliers in our friend group. I think knowing who we are, it's no surprise to anyone. They're all very supportive. We'll get the odd joke like, I oh, will never see you again, and the kid's right. born, and things like that. I sometimes think about, like, can I leave the kid with Christian or the babysitter so I can go watch Drag Race, like, at the bar? Like, I don't know. You know, we'll get there when we get there, I guess. But... It is, as gay people, like, our social lives are everything. That's how we make community. Mm -hmm. So what do you do when you have to take care of a newborn? Yeah. (laughs) How do you reconcile um, How do you make space? So a a straight couple friend of ours started hosting dinners every week at their place. They actually soundproofed the kids' the baby's room. Um, so, so their we, baby is in like a panic room. The baby is in the panic room on lock. Like, yes. Fantastic. And they host us so we can, they can maintain a social life and we can see the baby before they put him down. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can still be our authentic selves. So there are workarounds. How do you plan on handling that? 
the idea of like queer community and navigating parenthood? My community is different than yours. And I don't have the same connection to a particularly a gay male community mm-hmm. and like gay male spaces. Mm-hmm. That's not to say though that this isn't really an important question because I, it's been on my mind and it was on my mind earlier in this conversation when you were talking about all the conversation you and Christian have had up until this point about making the baby. And I was thinking, yes. And then when the baby's here and you want to preserve your community and your space and your, you know, who JR is, what, how do you thread that needle? Often gay spaces are um, adult spaces and Mm -hmm. whatever version of adult that is, doesn't have to be like naked time, but our adult (laughs) spaces are thought of as being not appropriate spaces, Mm -hmm. even more so than just like a regular adult bar. Yeah. I will bring my kid to the drag show. Uh Uh-huh. The brunch, maybe. The like, the the drag story hour, the pride parade. Yeah, so there are aspects of queer culture that I will be like, this is us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, you, you know what's appropriate and inappropriate for, for a kid. I know you asked me the question, I turned it back on you, but to, <laughs> to, 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 to answer it honestly, mm-hmm. from my perspective, I don't, I know that it will be important for me to go and have my social life independent of umbrella independent as just Andrew. Mm-hmm. And I have a concern that I won't always honor that for myself. Mm. So I don't have like a good answer except to say that, that that is a something that's been on my mind and was on my mind when you were talking. Well, that's, that's very real. Um, you know, maybe the silver lining is that a lot of the gaiety is, is at night. <laughs> the kids are already sleeping, so it's yeah, easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can get a night nurse. <laughs> and oh. there's one less layer for, for you and Christian. There's mm-hmm. one less layer. The children will be your children, much like Amrita and I will have shared children. But you and Christian will also be a, a unit in a mm-hmm. way that Amrita and I will never be a, mm-hmm. a, the same type of unit. But... I mean, is it that different? Like we, a bunch of my students have step parents. Like they've, you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. they, I, I, I might venture to say that the majority of them got step parents through having to navigate a difficult time. You don't have that, right? So it's like you can honor the various people that are in your environment, in your bubble, in your space that share feelings for you and the kid and Emrita and then, and not have like trauma attached to it. Um, And we're living in different times Mm -hmm. now. I know it's all possible to both establish a relationship, a a secure, stable home Mm -hmm. for which mom and dad will always be there. Mm -hmm. And in time that's appropriate for children's development, for them to understand that there's like a little bit, something a little bit different in mom and dad's relationship yeah. that isn't a mystery. It's ex- they had mom and dad explained it, but mm-hmm. they're, oh, they're not. Right. Oh, they don't sleep in the same. Oh, they're not like my friends down the block oh. who sleep in the same bed. And mm-hmm. 
Is it important to you or how important is it to you to have other gay families around yours? Very important. Why? An affinity space is an affinity space, right? You get to not put up the armor. People won't ask you the dumb questions. Or if they're asking you the dumb questions, you know it's coming from a good place. Um, it's easier to give benefit of the doubt. Shared experience. Learn from the elders, the trailblazers, <laughs> the mentors in ways that I wouldn't necessarily be able to from my straight friend. Um, dynamics are different. Politics are different. Relationships are different. Um, so, yeah, I mean, queerness has to come first. Like, there's just, it's its own thing. Knowing that we are part of this growing community, but also leaving, like, our, I don't know, leaving this legacy that people will look to us in the future when we get to pass that information and, like, clothing that the kid doesn't fit in <laughs> anymore down. I don't know. I mean, indulge me for a second, but, like, we don't get that a lot as gay men. Like, we lost a generation, especially kid, kids our age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we actually lost a generation of mentors. So, um, so to be able to pick that up, pick up those reins and beep and plug into that mm -hmm. sort of building community um, is really important to me. JR, thank you for sitting down. Fascinating to think about hurdles that you have to jump over to make your family and the ones I haven't had to. So thank you for yeah. providing some different, a different perspective. Yeah. Thank you for the insightful questions. It's been fun to share the story. And I can't wait to raise our kids together. Oh my God. The play dates. How fun. <laughs> Jean-Robert André is an educator, dean of equity and inclusion, and all-around wonderful human being. In our next episode, we are back with our wonderful host, Marina Weiss, to have a very vulnerable conversation about sex and romance. How will these aspects of our lives fit in with our new roles as co-parents? In the meantime, we are at vjandstevens.com or at vjandstevens on Instagram. Just be careful what daddy group you're looking to. That's very true. Join be. be sure you read the description <laughs> before you show up with a stroller. Yes. You might get something you don't want. <laughs>